We're going to be in Colossians, the second chapter this morning, and uh, we're going to start in about verse 16. So as you're turning there, uh, I just want to connect with those who might be here this morning without a Bible, and you might be thinking to yourself, I wish I had one. And if that's you, I know that we have uh, all different ways of accessing Scripture. Some of you really enjoy doing it digitally, but if you... Uh, Just say to yourself, I need a copy of the printed Bible. We would love to give you a copy if you need one. We believe that the greatest gift, the greatest investment that we could make into your life would be the investment of God's word. And so if that's uh, helpful for you and you need a Bible, see me after the services and we'll we'll get you one. We'll we'll get you one this morning. In Colossians chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 16 through 23. And before we look at that, let me just tell you what we're facing. We've got a couple of obstacles that we have to overcome. And I'll tell you how we're going to overcome them this morning. One of the obstacles that we have is that we're reading a long portion of Scripture. And I know that when we read a verse or read a couple of thoughts in Scripture, it's a little easier for our brain to wrap around it and comprehend it and not just understand what the Bible's saying, but how that is relevant for us and so that we can put it into application. But when we look at long Scriptures, it's just hard to do that Also, one of the things that we're going to be looking at uh, is some things in the New Testament that might be very unfamiliar with us. So some things that are unfamiliar uh, coupled with a long passage of Scripture can make for a very confusing morning if we're not careful. And so to fight that, what we're going to do is look at the Scripture, and then I'm going to give you the summary statement that I think all of the text is really kind of pointing to, and we'll unpack it from there. But in Colossians chapter 2, we're starting in verse 16. Paul says to this church, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used according to the human precepts and teachings. These have an indeed and an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. So again, a long passage of scripture, a lot of phrases or words that we kind of read and go, I kind of get that, but I don't really understand what the context is, or I don't understand with specificity what it is that Paul is speaking against or about. And so to help us with that, what I want to do this morning is give you a summary statement that will really help us understand what it is that Paul is seeking to do. That's the question of the hour, right? What is Paul trying to say to the church? And so if you're making notes this morning, the summary statement would be this. Being led astray is both devastating and subtle, 
So we need to continue in the faith with caution. Being led astray is both devastating and subtle. So we need to move forward in the faith with caution. Now, I wonder this morning, who remembers life before maps on your phone? Who here remembers life before MapQuest and MapBlast? You remember that? My kids still don't believe I'm older than Google. So there's some young people here this morning going, wait, there was a time? Where there were not maps on your phone? Yes, I want to tell you a story about life before maps on your phone. Uh, even before we could print them out from the computer. So uh, one time, Crystal and I, after church, we were going to go have, uh, we go have lunch with two couples. Uh, one of the couples were missionaries and they were here for a season. And they wanted to share with us what God had been doing and what God, uh, you know, what they were going to be doing as they went back on the mission field. So we were really excited. And so uh, the life of a minister is always that we kind of hang back for a little while. And so one couple said, okay, we'll go get the table. And the other couple said, we'll hang back with you guys and we'll all go together. Because I didn't know where the restaurant was and this was before maps. So we hang out, we do all of this, we finish up, we lock up the church, we're leaving, and as we're leaving, they say, hey, I'm in the, you know, the black Toyota, okay, so I pulled in behind the black Toyota, and off we go. And so have you ever had that experience in your life where you're trying to follow a car on the freeway, and all of a sudden, another car gets in between you and the car you're trying to follow, and you just feel this, this thing inside of you that kind of becomes angry, like, who do you think you are? Like they know you're trying to follow this car, right? So anyway, that happens. It happens again. Uh, this is before maps. So Crystal and I are kind of like starting to look at each other and not panic, but kind of panic, you know? And then Crystal's like, hey, I think you need to get over to your right because I think that that's where the car is. I'm like, no, I see the car over here. I see the black Toyota over here. And she's like, I think you need to go right. I was like, well, I came to the left and then I found the black Toyota and I just look at her like, So we're cruising, and about 10 minutes later, like it's almost weird, at the same time, something inside of us just kind of started going, this doesn't feel right. And Crystal says, Zach, this doesn't feel right. And I go, I know, but, but they're right in front of us. And Crystal says, you know, Zach, when we left the parking lot, the black Toyota had a bumper sticker on it. I got mixed up. And I still think about this story from time to time because it's a great story about being led astray. But, you know, here's what it teaches us. So we're going we're gonna to get into this summary statement and walk through our notes in a moment. But here's the reason that I tell this story. Being led astray only really matters if you care where you're going. I want you to think about that for a second. It was because I wanted to go hear my missionary friends that I was panicking about being led astray by this car, right? Because if I didn't care about connecting with them or I didn't care where I had lunch that day, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I cared about my destination. The other thing that, that I will never forget is the panic that set in when I began to say, then who am I following right now, <laughs> right? Where's my friend? They're probably all over the city looking for me. We have a poor couple sitting at a table somewhere at this restaurant waiting on us. 
So none of us are together, right? And I just remember going, who am I following? And just feeling all panicked by that. And, and, and so I want that experience to kind of set the tone for walking through our summary this morning. Because one of the things that's important to do, if we understand the importance of not being led astray is to understand what it means to be led astray. So this morning, the first question that we're going to talk about is, what does it look like to go astray? In your notes, it says a simple way to understand what that looks like. And I share this with you because I think it's important for us to stop from time to time and say, you know, if we're thinking about staying on course, faithful to Jesus, and not going astray, do I know what it means to go astray. And so I want to offer you this morning two thoughts as it relates to understanding go astray. Going astray is one of two things. First, it is trusting or hoping in anything other than the finished work of Jesus Christ for peace with our creator. That's a very foundational understanding of salvation. Our trust and our hope is fully in the work and the person of Jesus Christ to create peace between you and your creator. And so going astray would be embracing any other hope, any other trust. That's what we'll call foundational. But not only can we go astray foundationally, but we can also go astray by the way that we express ourselves. So the second way that I would say that we understand going astray is living out or expressing our faith in a way that is not focused on fulfilling the commands of Jesus. Let me give that to you again. Living out or expressing our faith in a way that is not focused on fulfilling the commands of Jesus is going astray in our expression of faith. Now, here's why I say these things to you. Because that was the challenge that this church was having, that Paul's writing to. There were some teachers, and when we read this, I understand asceticism and new moons and Sabbaths and fest. Like, what is all of this about? Fair question. I understand that. These terms don't get a lot of play in our world today. So I understand where it might be a little confusing. But here's what I want you to see. If you boil it all down and you look at the very core of what Paul was saying, he was saying, listen, there's some false teachers around you and in your midst that's that's leading you astray based on either the foundation of salvation or the expression of salvation. So now that we have the understanding of going astray, now the question is, why is it devastating? This might be the most important question for us to answer this morning, because if this question isn't answered for you, you may not care much about going astray. Like if going astray isn't devastating to your faith, who cares if we go astray, right? But remember, Going astray matters when you really care about where you're going, where you're headed to. Just like in my example, I was upset. Crystal and I had a heated exchange over direction and being led astray by this Toyota black car. Why? Because we really wanted to be at a specific place. So here's the point. If the Christian faith doesn't matter to you, you're not very motivated to not go astray from it. But if it is then we're really motivated. And what 
the Bible says to us this morning is that going astray is devastating, specifically for two reasons. And I want you to look in the scripture back with me in Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to give you these two reasons that going astray is devastating, and I want you to see where they're at in the scripture. I don't want you thinking that Pastor Zach's making this up this morning. I want you to see in God's word where we find this. Now, the first is uh, it's devastating because it, take, it moves you away from the Savior. It takes you away from the Savior. Notice in verse 18 and 19. Let's go back and look at 18 and 19 this morning. And I want you to see this devastation. You may not have caught this when we read through it the first time. But I want you to see this. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by sensuous mind. And look at verse 19. And not holding fast to the head, who is Jesus, right? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Not holding fast to the head. Listen, the devastating part of being led astray is that the further and further we're led astray, the further and further we're getting from walking with Jesus and and being connected. And I don't know why it is, but when I read verse 19, you know the scenes in the movie where there's a train and it's about to leave the station and there's somebody on the train and then there's somebody that's here like still like on the ground going, oh, I love you, have a great trip, right? And, and just as they're about to leave, the person in the train sticks their hand out and the person who's like on the platform grabs their hand and there's like this beautiful love scene and they like look in each other's eyes and I'll love you forever. And then the train starts leaving and their hands go like this. And then they just separate and depart, right? Why is it that when I read verse 19, I think about that? And not holding fast. Because when we're led astray, we're not holding fast to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it this way. If you needed to go into the city for an important reason. I don't know, what's an important reason you go into the city? For a job opportunity? So maybe you have, uh, maybe you have a job interview. Or maybe you're going to go to, to see a sporting team. Or well, I don't know why you're going to the city. Just to enjoy the day, right? What if you got on the train and halfway on your trip you realize, I've gotten on the wrong train. What do you say to yourself? You probably say something like, you know what? I need to get off of this train at the next stop and fix whatever it is I did wrong and correct this. You probably wouldn't say to yourself, I don't know. I mean, I'm on a train, (laughs) right? I needed to get on a train and I'm on a train and the train's moving. So that's a good thing, right? But if you know that you're going in the wrong direction, you start to think to yourself, wait, I've got to fix this. Who in their right mind would say, I don't know, like I'm just on the train. And today I had a goal to be on the train and the train's moving right? There's activity. I'm getting somewhere. You think to yourself, how out of bounds would that thinking be? Can I say this to you with total love, with total, total love? Some of us think that way about our faith. We find so much comfort just in the movement of things that even if we pause and say, wait a second, this isn't taking me where I want to go. We say to ourselves, but you know what? 
I'm going somewhere. And that's all that matters. But can I tell you, that's not all that matters. Because if you are in a train that's taking you further from the Lord, you need to get off at the next stop. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? What, what, what Paul is saying is that this is devastating because just like you can get on a train and it can take you further and away from where you want to be, there, there are systems of belief and ways of expressing the faith that take us further from the Lord than when we started. And I think that's important for us to understand. So it is devastating because it takes us further away from the, the Savior. Are there times that we have activity? Yes, just like the train may have activity. Is there movement? Yes. But is it taking us where we want to go? Not always. I think about the hamster, the poor hamster. <laughs> the little circle, right? The little wheel. And you watch it and it runs for 20 minutes and goes nowhere. <laughs> and you may say, well, it gets its exercise. Fair enough, right? But, but you understand the point that I'm making. What I don't want for us, for you or for myself either, is for us to run in circles and not get anywhere. Or worse, run in a direction that's actually away from where the Lord would have for us to be. So it's devastating because it can take us away from the Savior and the things of God. The second reason that it's devastating is because it takes a lot from us and it doesn't offer anything in return. Now, again, I want you to see this in the scripture. I know that we are in a scripture that's hard to get our mind around because there's thoughts and there's phrases and there's words that we're not altogether comfortable or familiar with. I get that. But I want for us to see this in the scripture. It's so important for you to see that this is in the word of God. Being led astray is devastating because when we are led astray, we are giving and giving and giving and we're getting nothing in return. Like there's no fruit, there's no life, there's no transformation happening. I want you to see this in verse 23. Paul's writing to the church and he says, these things have an, indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Oh, what's Paul saying? You're doing a lot of stuff, but it's not really getting you to where you want to go. It's not producing what you want it to produce. It, it's not keeping you in the presence of God and growing and fruitful. It's not stopping the indulgence of the flesh. June the 15th of 2009 was an important date in our country's history. It was the date uh, that the victims of the Bernie Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme of 65 billion with a B dollars. It was the date that the victims were supposed to register their, uh, their victim letters with the judge as the judge contemplated sentencing for Bernie Madoff. Now, I wanna be careful here because you may have been a victim of that and if you are, I'm not trying to trigger you this morning or if you love and know people who maybe were a victim, I don't wanna... Uh, bring up old memories that are difficult for you. But that was a big deal because uh, you can go back and look at all of the victim statements uh, from, from the people that Bernie Madoff ripped off. He had a Ponzi scheme. It was worth $65 billion. 
And so on June the 15th was the day that the judge said, I want the victims to submit to me their victim statement letters. And they're incredible letters. They're sad and enraging. And I, didn't, I wasn't even a victim, but I read them and I'm so angry. <laughs> and they just say, I mean, it's filled with, there's letters that are filled with despair. There's letters, obviously, that are filled with anger. There are letters like, I spent my whole life saving and putting away investments, uh, and now I'm left with nothing. And you can imagine just reading through all of those uh, victim impact letters. And when I read verse 23, I think about that experience. I've invested all of this time, and I've invested all of this energy, and I've made all of these sacrifices, and I've put it here, and it's done nothing for me. And I feel ripped off now. And you may be there, actually. Like, you may be here, but like secretly mad at God because you've been trying or you've been doing things that are spiritual for a long time. And they haven't helped you get closer to God. You may feel further from God than you've ever felt before. And you just feel like I'm investing all of this and it's not producing anything. And can I tell you this? If the Apostle Paul were here today, he probably would say, I'm not surprised by that. Not in a mean way, but he's saying to the church, listen, when you're led astray, you get to this place where you're investing a lot. But you're never going to see a return on that investment. He says you're doing all these things. But none of them produce fruit so why is it devastating because it takes a lot from us and it doesn't grow us in Christ it doesn't transform our life and it doesn't bring fruit one of the most important reasons and this won't be up on the screen but just as I was reflecting on this uh, before we look at subtle I just wanted to share this thought with you Another reason that going astray can be so devastating is because it can take good things and it can twist them in such a way that they become bad things. For, for instance, you know, it talks about like festivals and Sabbath. And I don't think anybody here would say that the Passover is a bad thing, right? Like we would all think the Passover is a good thing. Sabbath is a good thing, right? Resting is a good thing. Thank God for the Sabbath and a, a chance for us to rest. Asceticism, that may seem like a strange word for you, but things like fasting would fall under the umbrella term of asceticism. So there's a lot of things that we look at that we might look at it and go, that's good. The problem is that whoever this false teacher is has started telling the church that unless you do these things, you can't be right with God. It's, it's, it's we do these things because we are right with God. That's why we do things like prayer and fasting. That's why we participate in rest and Sabbath because we are connected to God. My relationship to God is not conditional on whether or not I'm very good at resting or fasting. And so what happens sometime when we're led astray is good things can be hijacked, perverted, and causes us to go astray. And then the good things become the bad things. It's such a sad thing to see. But that leads me to this second point. How is going astray subtle? Because it is devastating. We've established that. But it's also subtle. And I want you to look at verse 23. I want you to see this phrase. Paul admits to the church 
Hey, listen, I get it. He says these things, you see this phrase in your Bible, have the appearance of wisdom. When you look at them at just a glance, it seems like it makes sense. But when you chase them, you'll go astray every time. You know who struggled with this? Eve. Adam and Eve. The scripture says, you can go back into Genesis 3 and check on this. The scripture says that when Eve saw that the fruit was attractive, when she saw that it was good for food, and when she saw that it would make her wise, it just made sense to eat it, right? It had the appearance of wisdom. It seemed like the right thing to do. So going astray is subtle. It's not like there's this huge flashing light that says, hey, if you want to wreck your faith and go astray, turn here. Nobody would go, right? (laughs) It's subtle. Paul says in verse 23, it has the appearance of wisdom. It's spiritual. It has the appearance of wisdom. And so many people would say, it must be right. So what do we do to move forward with caution? Because what I didn't want to do is to spend the entire message time that I have and talk about the devastation and the subtleness and how damaging going astray is. Depress everybody and then smile and say, okay, I'll see you next week. You know, like I don't want you to leave disturbed this morning about being led astray. I want, but I did want to speak plainly about it. So then the question is, what do we do with this, right? Which is the last part of your notes this morning. If, if going astray is devastating, and we see that in the scripture, and if going astray is subtle, and we see that in the scripture in verse 23, Then the question is, how do we proceed with caution? We have to go forward. We have to go in some direction. How do we do it cautiously, thoughtfully, prayerfully? How do we continue to express ourselves and our faith in such a way that we're not going astray? And I want to share with you this morning. If you have your notes, you see that I want to share this answer in two ways. The first, if you're making notes, write down this. Get picky. My best advice to you this morning is to get picky. Get really picky about the type of people that you voluntarily allow to shape your faith or the way that you express your faith. I want you to ask yourself this question. Can you do that this morning? Ask yourself this question. Who have I intentionally, voluntarily handed the ability to shape what I believe and how I express that belief? That is a $10 million question. If you can answer that question, you are probably further along than the vast majority of believers because we just don't think about it that often. But who deserves the right to shape my belief? Who deserves the right to shape your belief? How do we decide who it is that we want to shape the way that we perceive Christ 
and the things of God and what it means to live faithfully for the Lord. And it may be that the most holiest thing that you can do today is fire some people. (laughs) Is give them the pink slip from influencing your life in the spiritual slash Christian world. And isn't it interesting uh, how people get into that position of influence? Like we, we make that choice based on all kinds of data points. And it's interesting to me that uh, sometimes we will just listen to somebody that has a ton of views online, right? Like you wonder something about God and so you do, right, what everybody else does. We Google it. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's bad because I do it as well. But can I just suggest to you that just because a video has three million views doesn't mean that the perspective is correct. And you may think you shouldn't have to say that out loud. I do have to say that out loud because, because oftentimes we think, well, it's been said over and over. Uh, it's here at the top. It must be right. No, but we, we choose all kinds of ways to allow people to shape our view. Uh, sometimes the people who say it with the greatest humor are the ones that we listen to the most. Have you ever met somebody that just has a way with words and they're just saying this or saying that and you just kind of walk away going, yeah, they're kind of believable, right? They're funny, they're engaging. That doesn't give them the right to shape the way that you see God. Or for some of us, it's who we spend a lot of time with. You know, you may be at a job and, and you may have a coworker that you spend a ton of time during the day and, and you may like them, which is praise God. If you have a coworker that you spend a lot of time with and you like them, that's a blessing. You may talk about a lot of different things. You may spend eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day with them. Can I just submit to you today that just because they're likable and you spend a whole lot of time with them, doesn't mean they're qualified to shape your view of who God is and what your faith should look like when you go to express it. So how do we proceed with caution? Get picky. (laughs) Get picky over who you allow to shape your faith. Get picky not only on who you allow to shape your faith, but the second thing that I wrote down is get picky on where I should go to verify a teaching. Like when you hear somebody, whether it be that YouTube video that you found on Google or, or your friend over lunch break and you were talking about faith or, or you, know, you were listening to a, a comedian and they said something about God and you, you hear all of these thoughts from all over the place, which by the way, is a great thing. Can I just say this to you? If you have a coworker and you guys are talking about the things of faith, Awesome. But when they share their perspective, where do you go to determine whether or not you agree or disagree with that perspective? I'm going to say this to you. If it isn't the scripture, you're running to the wrong place. And I want to take a step further. And I would even say to you that here at this church, whether you're going to Bible studies on a Sunday morning, or you're in a connect group, or you're doing one of our women's ministry Bible studies, or you're listening to me on a Sunday morning, and you hear these ideas about who is God and what does God expect, we encourage you to not just have this blanket faith and trust that I'm telling you the right thing, 
go back to the Bible and verify that what Pastor Zach is telling you is true. Because if I tell you something that contradicts the Bible, 10 times out of 10, the Bible's right and I'm wrong. And I want you to know that. And so how do we proceed forward with caution? By being picky. <laughs> I just love encouraging you to do that. So now at lunchtime, <laughs> your kids don't want to eat the broccoli because they're being picky, right? <laughs> it's not what I'm talking about, boys and girls. But be picky. Uh, second, be preachy. I want you to be picky and I want you to be preachy. Here's what I mean by that. I think that if day by day we want to live a life that is anchored in salvation through Jesus Christ and we want to live a life that is on the straight and narrow, that is dialed in on, on living out accurately the things of God and we're not going astray, Part of that means that every day we need to wake up and we need to stand in the mirror and we need to preach to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves we are a sinner saved by grace, that our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone, that I don't have to be weighed down by all of these regulations that people would want to place on me. All I have to do is obey what Jesus commanded me to do. That's it. Christianity really isn't as complicated as we preachers make it sometimes. It's that simple. Obey Jesus. And sometimes we need to stand in the mirror and we need to say that to ourselves. And I need to look in the mirror and I say, you need Jesus today. And you need to stay faithful to Jesus today. And along the way, there's going to be something that you're going to see in media. You're going to meet somebody. You're going to have some type of conversation. And it's going to try to lead you astray. Don't let it happen. Because being led astray can be devastating. That's why I named this message, Prone to Wonder, Lord, I Feel It. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, you may look at that message and it mean nothing to you. But that is actually a lyric from a very famous song, Come Thou Fount. Of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. It's a song about this dichotomy of loving God, but also knowing that I'm just have like this rebellious spirit, and sometimes I'm just prone to wonder from God. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We need to preach that in the mirror to ourselves. We need to get in the front of the mirror and we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How do we keep ourselves from going astray? We need to be very selective on who we allow to shape our faith. And we need to stand in the mirror every day and remind ourselves that we desperately need Jesus he is our hope. He is our guide. He is our comforter. He is the one that we run to. I started this morning by giving a definition of what it means to go astray. I said to you that trusting or hoping in anything other than the finished work of Jesus Christ for peace with our creator is the definition of being led astray. 
I want to close this morning by asking you, have you put your trust and your hope in the finished work of Jesus to give peace between you and your creator? If you haven't done that before, can I just say to you, that's the most pressing need that you have. More than your next meal, more than the bills that are due, more than the relationships that you have. If you haven't put your trust and your hope and your faith in Jesus, it's the most important thing you could do in this moment. I invite you to do that today. I invite you to take that step of saying, I want to know Christ. I want to walk with Christ. I want to put my hope in him this morning. If you need help doing that, we'd love to help you after the service. Let me know and we can talk about that. But would you bow with me as we prepare to close our time this morning? Many of you in this room have put your hope and your trust in Jesus. And so as we get ready to pray this morning, I want to ask you, are you following Christ or have you been led astray? Maybe in a specific area of your life this morning as we've looked at Paul's word to the church, maybe the Lord has illuminated an area of your life that you've strayed. And I want to invite you this morning and call for you to make the decision to come back to the Lord in whatever area that might be. I want to give you a moment just to talk with the Lord before we close our time together. But if you're a follower of the Lord this morning, would you give significant weight to what Paul said to the church? It is so devastating and it is so subtle. Would you take a moment and make sure that in every area of your life, every category and in every way, you're being faithful to the Lord. Lord, we close by expressing our love to you. You have given us a great morning. Thank you so much for that, for the joy of your people coming together, handshakes and hugs, encouragement, having meaningful conversation about important things, great worship time praising you, Lord, meaningful scriptures reflecting on your text in Colossians. You have blessed us today, Lord, so much. Thank you for that. We all know that in just a few moments we will dismiss from this place and go back into the world where we all have different responsibilities. My prayer for each and every soul here this morning is that whatever that may be, wherever we may go, whatever we will do this week, that we will be focused on you. And by the great power of your spirit and the wisdom from above, we will not be led astray. For our sake, for the sake of those that we love, for the sake of those who are watching us about what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, we understand the importance of holding fast to you, not be 
led astray by various teachings, visions, values, or directions. Oh, Lord, help us to do that, we pray. In the mighty and powerful name of the Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Let the church say amen.